Well, good morning. Good to be here with all of you. Uh, if you are a guest, I hey, welcome to the family. Glad you're here as well. If you're watching online, uh, I know some of you are watching uh, online right now. I say I'm thankful that you're part of the family as well. Uh, I need my church family right now, so good just to be here with you uh, today. Um, we are in a series right now called Encountering uh, Jesus, and uh, we've said right now, right, our world could use a Jesus encounter. <laughs> said even our community right here, our neck of the woods, could use a Jesus encounter. I mean, it was pretty crazy when Danielle and I were, we were actually in Florida a few weeks ago, and that's when the whole Dante Wright thing, all that went down. And people there were just like, what's going on in Minnesota? Like, what is it? And little did they know, you know, we're living just down the street from where all that uh, happened. But, you know, even right here, I think uh, we, we realize uh, our community could use a Jesus encounter. And I've said and been very honest, like, I need a Jesus encounter. And not just one time, I need a Jesus encounter each and every day <laughs> just to keep me on the right path and so that I can experience all that God wants for my life. We, as we study these Jesus encounters, we see, I mean, people encounter Jesus and they walk away with something. They walk away with a blessing. They walk away receiving something from Christ. And I want that for myself, my life. I want that for you. Uh, and so we need a Jesus encounter. Well, this morning, we're going to be looking at the story of the woman at the well. And what we're going to see in this story is this woman is going to encounter Jesus, and Jesus is going to offer her a very special, very important gift, okay? He's going to give her something. He's going to offer her this, this, this gift that I would argue is crucial for our lives, okay? Um, some of you, you know, you know, like you absolutely love gifts. You love to receive gifts. In fact, that's, some of you have the, the love language of receiving gifts, right? Those of you who've studied the five love languages, gifts is one of your love languages. Like you love it when people give you things, right? <laughs> you probably love giving gifts as, as well. Um, this church over the years has loved giving me gifts, to be honest. Uh, uh, as many of you know, I have a love for bacon. I've made that very clear. Okay, over the years, uh, and, and many of you have given me what I would say called bacon-related products. I've I, I received bacon-flavored chips. They're disgusting, by the way. <laughs> One of you gave me bacon-flavored mints. Not good. Someone actually gave me a soda one time that was bacon flavored. I, I could drink, I took one sip and I, I, it had to go down the sink, okay? I, some of you have given me these bacon related gifts and it's where I, I, I'm always thinking, you shouldn't have. <laughs> like literally, you should not have. None of you have ever actually just given me bacon. We have a refrigerator here. I can store it, it's good. All right, so you like to give me the artificial stuff that, you know, ends up in the garbage can. I'm just being honest with you, all right? When, when what it what is, I, I love the real thing. I want, like, thick, peppered bacon slabs, all right? That's what I love. The real, the real deal. Well, we're going to see this morning, Jesus is going to offer this woman the real thing, something that is authentic, something that is genuine, something that is real, and something that uh, has the power to change uh, all, of, all of our lives um, for the better, okay? So we're just going to jump into the text. If you have your Bibles, we're looking at John 4 today. Again, the story of the woman at the well. We read this in verse 1. 
says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Uh, so he left Judea and went back once more to uh, Galilee. Okay, so what's going on here? Jesus is... Uh, in the southern region of Israel called Judea, where Jerusalem is. Um, he is um, doing ministry there, and people are wanting to be baptized, meaning they're wanting to follow Jesus' teachings and be a follower of Christ and be baptized into Christ's teachings and the identity of, of who he is and what that means for them. Okay, The Pharisees, they don't like Jesus at this point because Jesus is teaching things that... Um, that they don't agree with, uh, they, Jesus is, is undermining and, and, and not following many of their traditions, okay? And so the Pharisees are upset, and Jesus knows uh, that they are, are, are going to become violent towards him. But his time um, to go to the cross hasn't yet come. So what Jesus is going to do is he's going to retreat, all right, from southern, the southern region and to the northern region, this place called Galilee. Galilee is in the northern region of Israel. Verse 4 says, now he had to go through Samaria. Okay, so Samaria is the middle region of Israel. So in order to go from the south to the north, you have to go through this region called Samaria. Many of you have probably heard of the Samaritans, right? We've heard of the good Samaritan. But what you might not know is that the Jews were very hostile towards the Samaritans and vice versa. A lot of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. In fact, some Jews would actually, rather than take the straight path, the quick path into um, the northern region, from the southern region, they would actually travel around. They would go east, days out of their way, so that they didn't have to go through Samaria. Now, to understand the reason for that, we got to back up a little bit. Okay, In the year 722 B.C., uh, the Assyrian nation came, came to Israel and conquered this part of Israel, this middle region, actually the, the entire northern region as well. But, um, and what the Assyrians did was they then carried off half of the Israelites back to Assyria to be their slaves. They left the other half there in this middle part, this middle region of Israel. And then the Assyrians themselves Many of them moved and relocated and settled down in this region. Over time, as you can imagine, what begins to happen, the Jews and the Assyrians begin to intermarry. And this is where uh, the problem lies. They begin having children. Okay, And yes, probably a little racism there. There's probably a little racism going on. Racism has always been around. Okay, But it's a little deeper than that. Uh, what's going on here is that as the Jews are intermarrying in, 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 to these Assyrian families, they begin caving into also some of their religious practices and belief systems. And that's really the issue here. We see that over and over and over in the Old Testament where God says, be careful about marrying into these, these foreign nations that don't worship me because over and over again we see what happens. The foreign nations don't usually cave in and start worshiping Yahweh. It's usually the Jewish person that caves and starts adopting the practices of that other, that other nation, worshiping their gods, their idols. Well, now we see that today, right? Christians start hanging out with the wrong crowd, the wrong group of people. Usually it's not the crowd that group that caves into Christianity, usually it's the Christian who ends up giving into those beliefs, those values, and whatnot. 
And so this is where the problem is. Now uh, these people have become known Samaritans. They're like half Jews, half Assyrians. And they would say that they worship Yahweh, but their beliefs are different. They don't go to the temple to meet with God. They have their own temple where they meet with God. And the Jews do not consider them to be uh, God's, God's people. So a lot of hostility between these two groups. And Jesus is now traveling through this region. Something you need to understand is that even certain foods of the Samaritans would be considered unclean and would make you unclean if you were a Jew. Certainly drinking anything from them would make you unclean. Verse 5 says, So he, Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well. It was about noon. You might want to underline that. This is important. It's telling us this is the middle of the day. This is the heat of the day. It's hot. Okay? Jesus sits down by this well. Verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Okay. Now, you can imagine how shocking this scene is. First off, this woman who's come, she's a Samaritan. Okay. If Jesus is to take that bucket from her and actually drink, Jesus is going to be considered unclean for doing that. He's going to have to go through all kinds of rituals to go, to go to the temple. Yeah. Will you give me a drink? Okay. Also, this woman, this is a woman. Okay, and in that day, a teacher, a rabbi would not be caught in a one-on-one situation with a woman, as you can imagine how that could be misconstrued. So this is another reason this is so shocking. And not only that, not only is this a Samaritan woman, this is an outcast Samaritan woman. Okay, how do we know that? Notice it said she came out at noon. It was the custom of that day. Uh, The women would go out to get water at the well either early in the morning before the sun came up or in the evening after the sun had gone down. Why? Cooler. That's when it was cooler. Okay? This woman is coming at a time of day where nobody's going to be caught out at that well because of the heat. And yet that's exactly what she does. Why? Well, we have to fast forward a little bit. We're going to learn that this woman has had five husbands. And that she is now living with another man. And rather than go to the well with these other women where she's going to hear the whispers and the gossip and catch the judgmental glances, she'd rather just sweat it out all by herself and be alone. This woman is an outcast. And yet it's this woman that Jesus says, will will you give me some water? Will you give me some water to drink? In verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Okay, so this woman is, is shocked that Jesus is asking her. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you what? Living water. Living water. You know, we often read this and we miss this, that Jesus is offering this woman this this living water. We better understand what this living water is 
that Jesus is offering her and that Jesus offers us today. Verse 11 says, The woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks the water, this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Okay? Welling up to eternal life. And sometimes in the church when we hear that word eternal life, we tend to think it just means heaven when we die. You understand the word eternal life here means something so much more than that. It's not just so much about the the quantity of time that we live. It's about the quality of time that we live, and we can experience that today, this eternal life. I'm telling you, you want eternal life in you right now, and and it's this living water that wells up in us, giving us this eternal life, okay? so, So we better understand what in the world is this living water. Like, what does this living water do for us? If you're taking notes or grab the handout, I, I just got put three things down, just scratching the surface. But maybe you want to take notes. First thing we see that living water does is it, it satisfies. Those who drink this living water are not going to thirst again. Now, of course, he's not talking about physical water. He's talking about something spiritual, and he's saying you're going to have this living water in you, and you will not thirst. It is going to satisfy your deepest longings. It is going to satisfy what you need, that hole in your heart that you need to fill. It's going to satisfy that because what do we do? We chase after things. It might be money. It might be status. Might even be our family that we're hoping is going to fill that need. It might be a, another a, a spouse or something like that. This woman's jumping around from relationship to relationship, right? Hoping that it's going to fill that that void, that need in her life. And but it's like what the author of Ecclesiastes says: it's just a chasing after the wind. Because many of us have learned you chase after those things, it doesn't ultimately satisfy. That's what the Bible refers to as broken cisterns. You think in it, you're going to have water that's going to quench, but it's just that the water is leaking out, and in the end, it leaves you empty. Yet Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you something that will truly satisfy your soul. And some of you in here today, maybe you're feeling empty, maybe you're wondering what your purpose in life is, wondering what it's all about. Jesus is promising us something. He says, I'll I'll show you what it's all about. This will satisfy your soul in the deepest way possible. And by the way, money, family, status, if it can be used for God's kingdom, those aren't bad things. They just can't satisfy what the living water satisfies. Get the living water, those things become cherries on top of the cake. But we need this living water because that's the substance that's going to satisfy Secondly, this living water, it cleanses. You know, the Jews and Samaritans would have understood this uh, at this time because um, to, to go to the temple and to meet with God, you had to go through ritual cleansing. They had these baths. They were called mikvahs. 
And at the, the mikvah, you would have to bathe yourself and clean yourself before it was at the temple. And you would go through that so that you could then enter into the temple and meet with, with God. Uh, how was this mikvah, these baths, uh, how were they filled? They didn't want, you don't want stagnant water. It's been sitting there, it's all dirty. No, they were fed by bubbling brooks, by streams that were living, moving, clean. And in those baths, they would wash themselves. He's saying, I'm going to give you something. It's going to clean you up so that you don't have to go through the rituals and the baths and everything you have to do to meet with God. I will give you this living water to cleanse you. And then third and last, he says he'll get this, uh, this living water. It gives, us, it gives us life. It's life. It's life-giving some of you in here, you have a uh, green thumb, and you're just really good with plants. Everything you touch just grows and thrives. Danielle and I, we can't even keep cactus alive in our home. It's really, really bad. So it's just like we're going to just do all artificial. I mean, cactus only needs water like every six months, and we still kill it. Why? Because plants need water. You physically need water. Life comes from Water. And Jesus is saying, I can give you living water that will, like a plant, bear fruit in your life and cause you to grow and to thrive and to be healthy. To be filled with love and to be filled with joy and to be filled with peace and to have hope in your heart and to dream again. Some of you need dreams. You need life. So it satisfies, it cleanses, it gives us life. What is it exactly? What is the living water exactly? Well, again, if you're taking notes, I, I put this in your notes. The, the, the gift of living water is the Holy Spirit. That's what the living water is. The Holy Spirit. Gospel writer John is going to tell us this. He's going to be very explicit. In fact, at one of the feasts, Jesus is going to again talk about the living water. In John 7, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scriptures has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then John tells us this by by this he meant the what? He meant the Holy Spirit. The living water is the Spirit of God, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Talking about the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came down on the church. So here is this gift that Jesus is offering us, which is the Holy Spirit that he refers to as living water. And many of us, we don't even understand what the Holy Spirit is. We don't, we don't think about the Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't really care about the role of the Spirit in our life all that much. And this is the gift Jesus is offering us that wells up into us eternal life. This is the gift that's going to satisfy. This is the gift that's going to cleanse. This is the gift that's going to give life. And many of us, we don't spend any time thinking about the role of the Spirit in our life. I want to show you Acts 10.45 makes it clear that this is a gift, that the Holy Spirit is a gift God gives you. It says the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit 
had been poured out even on Gentiles. And don't miss that language, by the way. Poured out kind of sounds like water. The Bible says this in many places. Many of us don't ever think of what the, the Spirit. But I can tell you, anything good in me, anything good in my life, anything good that's happened in me, through me, for me, I'm telling you, it's directly related to the Holy Spirit in my life. It's directly because of the Holy Spirit. This living water that Jesus has uh, given me. I was just talking with someone this past week who was telling me that he's been in a very dark place dealing with some addiction stuff and some struggles. And he wanted to change. He wanted to get out of it. He, would, he said he would even pray about it. And, uh, but he couldn't. He'd wake up the next morning and go right back to it. But then he said he was in the shower one day recently, and all of a sudden, he said he was overwhelmed by the sorrow of what he was doing. And this new desire started to arise in him to start to overcome this, this addiction and these problems in, in his life, which he has. Friends, you realize that what happened there was the Spirit came on him. And by the way, people were praying for this person. I saw an answer to prayer. The Spirit came on him, giving him the strength and the motivation and the desires he did not have until the Spirit showed up. And I know when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it can be, sometimes it can, it can, it can put us on edge a little bit. You can find it a little strange talk about the Holy Spirit, but can I just be vulnerable with you and tell you about my own experience with the Holy Spirit, just give you, tell you a few things I've seen the Spirit do in my life, and when you have an open mind. Did you know I used to wear glasses? I used to wear glasses, and then on Sundays I would wear contacts, because I wanted to be able to see your faces. I couldn't see you if I didn't have them on. Plus, even more than that, I'd be out in the lobby, and someone would be on the other side of the lobby and would, like, wave their hand and, uh, you know, say, hey, Brent. And then I'd be like, who let the giraffe in the building? And, but more than that, I would snub them or, like, just not know who it was. So I'd be like, but I wouldn't say their name or something like that. And they would inevitably think I was upset with them or something like that. So I was like, I got to have glass. So I know who I'm talking with. I don't wear glasses anymore. I don't need contacts anymore. Now, I know this isn't everyone's story. I know people who have prayed and asked, and I prayed and I asked. I don't wear glasses. I don't need contacts anymore. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Does that happen? I don't know. I just know I prayed. I don't need glasses. I don't need contacts anymore. By the way, we've seen healings here this year in crazy ways. We've seen, um, we, we, we've seen people just receive supernatural uh, healings. I don't know what else to say. I mean, we've seen someone who needed surgery, and then the doctor said, you don't need surgery anymore. We've seen uh, backs that have been healed. Um, one of them was a board member, right? back pain. My wife couldn't pick up our five-year-old, came forward, got prayer. Now she's picking up our five-year-old pain-free, just talked to someone else. Their wisdom teeth was coming in, and they were having great pain. Yes, they need to get them taken out, but they prayed. Now that it's numb, they don't feel anything. I mean, I'm just telling you what I'm hearing and what I'm experiencing. And I can just tell you, I don't need, I don't wear glasses anymore. There's no contacts. It's saving me a fortune. I love it. Now, I don't know how long it's going to last, but that's my reality right now. And I know that can weird people out. I make people skeptical, but that's just, that's where I'm at. 
I've learned that I can do this thing now. Couldn't always do that. This is fairly new. Where I go like this. This is my posture. It's kind of God just said, this needs to be your posture. I don't know. I don't want to say he audibly told me that. I just feel that. It's just like, okay. So I go like this. And friends, I can literally feel this power that courses through my body. Up and down. And the closest thing I can compare it to would be like maybe your cell phone charger, uh, you know, plugged in your phone. It's like charging your battery. It feels like it it charges my battery. So before I I, I go into certain meetings, uh, before I come out here and preach, I go like this, and I just, God just starts filling my tank. He just starts, and it gives me energy, and it gives me strength, and it just, I can't tell you. It brings, it's like it's, it's like a spring of life welling up in me. And so now I do it. I do it out in public. You're, you're probably going to see me walking somewhere, a mall, something like that. I, just, I don't care. Any, I'm just, I walk around like this. I, people might think it's odd. I don't really care because I need a pick-me-up sometimes. Anybody in here need a pick-me-up? Sometimes coffee just doesn't do the trick. I've learned I can do this thing. I, it's new. I couldn't always do this. Now I'm doing this thing. It's like, it's amazing. Part of my story. I've never told you guys this because uh, I've been hesitant. I didn't know if people would, what they, you, you might think of it, but I'm, again, I'm being vulnerable here. Um, did you know your pastor speaks in tongues? First became a Christian. Someone said you should pray for the gift of tongues. I did. They didn't force it. I didn't have to do anything else. I was by myself. All of a sudden, I started speaking in tongues. You, you want to hear what it sounds like? Yes. Well, one person does, so. <laughs> you want to hear what it sounds like to speak in tongues? Yes. So you hear it for yourselves and see it. And again, the Bible says we need to be cautious with this and we can't become a congregation where everyone's just speaking in tongues. Because it does say it will weird people out. And, and so don't be weirded out by this. But this is just, this is what speaking in tongues sounds like. So prayed, I asked God. I could do it all day. It's, it's natural. It's not, there's nothing forced. It's, I don't think much about it, honestly, until I was thinking maybe I should share that. And I started thinking, how, why is it that I can, I, I just prayed, and it's, it's, it's like talking. Now, I don't understand what I'm saying. The Bible says we need interpreters. We need people who, there's apparently people who have the gift. Maybe one, that's one of you, and maybe you just heard something, and you know what I was saying. Please come find me after the service. I'd love to know. I don't know what I was saying, but I will tell you this. I use this especially when I'm in pain, especially when I'm going through hard times. The Bible talks about sometimes we don't even have the words and know what to pray. So I go to tongues, and when I do it, it's like therapeutic for my soul. It's like it's just releasing pain and struggle. It just takes like a burden off. Spirit praying through me to God. So it has a very practical effect in my life, even if I don't understand what I am saying. God knows what I am, I, I, am, I am saying. Now, not everyone is given the gift of, of tongues. Some of you heard that everyone should have. No, the Bible teaches. That's, some are given that gift, others aren't. But it's something that God has done in my life. And the reason I'm telling you this is not so you, I, I really don't like talking about this stuff. 
Because some of you are going to think it's strange. Some of you are going to think, I'm strange. I know how that goes. I tell you this stuff, though, because I want you to broaden your horizons who God is. Some of you, your God is living in a really small box. And he's probably not very powerful in your life. So if you want to be closed off to God and all that he wants to do, the one who can do more than you ask or imagine, keep living that way. Otherwise, you open your mind and your heart and say, okay, God, I don't want to, I want to avoid abuses. I want to avoid all that weird stuff that I've seen, but I do want you and I want it to be real. Jesus doesn't give us the fake gift. He doesn't give us the artificial forced gift. He gives us the real thing. It's the spirit. And by the way, the gifts, I, the things I just shared with you, that's kind of some of the sensational stuff. That's kind of like the, the, the manifest gifts and stuff like that. God doesn't, did you know that administration is one of the spiritual gifts? Some of you are going to pray and ask God to give you a spiritual gift, and he's going to, all of a sudden, you're going to be really good putting a calendar together. It's not going to be all that sensational. <laughs> well, we might say sexy, Right? So we got to be careful. Oh, if I have the spirit, then I better be doing it. No. God works differently in all of our lives. But the point is, are we open to this living water and what it might want to do in, 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 in our life? So with the rest of our time, and I don't have very much time uh, left, again, I put this in your notes. I'm just going to talk about four ways we can experience the spirit for ourselves. If you, if you really haven't experienced the spirit and don't really know what I'm talking about or I want to help you to maybe take a baby step today to maybe exploring more with the Spirit. By the way, just scratching the surface, after this series, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit, and we'll dive, we'll dive deeper into it. But, okay, so if you're taking notes, if I'm going to experience living water, first, I must be open to it. First thing is, you need to be open to it. Jesus doesn't come out and just call it the Holy Spirit. He knows he probably would have freaked this woman out. He refers, uses something she can understand, something she can relate to, so that she'll be open to it. Are you open to it? Because I know what's happened. Many of you have grown up in traditions, churches, you've seen things where it has been abused, and it has been abused. False prophecies. Do you know in the Old Testament what the consequence was for a false prophecy? If you gave a false prophecy, you got stoned to death. Like, that is a huge, huge, huge deal. You better be very careful when you say you have a prophecy or, you know. But we've seen people just say all kinds of things, and then they don't come true. I've seen it abused where people actually, I'm, uh, uh, God is telling me that you need to. you got to be really careful with that. You are acting like you are speaking for God. And yet I see people and sometimes I sense, is your motive really for the good of that person or is your motive to have power over that person? We see these abuses. I was talking to someone recently who was at a church where they were doing that thing where you're slain in the spirit, which by the way, I don't see that in the Bible, but this church is doing that. He came forward, he wasn't slain. They put their hand on his forehead. He wasn't going down. Then they said they tried to push him over. That's, that, that's an abuse so that it would look like he was, was slain. So we, we hear about those things, and it makes us skeptical. But, friends, those are artificial. That's not the real deal. Would we open our hearts to the real gift, the living water? I hope so. Because it might just change your life in supernatural ways. 
Secondly, if I'm going to experience living water, I must ask for it. You got to ask for the spirit. Uh, The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She asks for this living water, even if she doesn't fully understand it. And you might say, well, I thought as Christians we already had the Holy Spirit, so why do I need to ask for it? Well, I don't know, but I will tell you this. Jesus tells us we're supposed to ask for it. Some of you know this passage, but you've always heard Matthew's version, and the Matthew's version is always what's used in the church. Luke's version is a little different. You might say, well, why are they different? Keep this in mind. Jesus preached the same sermon over and over to the different towns he went to, and sometimes he would tweak things in those sermons. And so some gospel writers would write down one sermon as opposed to another sermon that was preached in another town. This is one of those examples. Luke 11 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Now, most of us have heard the version, give good gifts to those who ask him. Jesus being very clear here. It's ask, we need to ask for the Holy Spirit. If you're going to experience the Holy Spirit in your life, it needs to be something that you ask, something that you desire, something that you pray for. We talked about that last week. You got to keep seeking. You got to keep knocking. You got to keep asking. Uh, until you tune, get in tune with the Spirit. Some of you are not in tune with the Spirit, I'm telling you. You, you have it in there, but you haven't, like a transistor radio, you haven't matched up your frequency with what the Spirit wants to do in your life and the power the Spirit would start giving you. Maybe you need to stop, start by just asking, hey, God, would you give me, I want the Spirit. I want to experience the Spirit for myself. Third, if I'm going to experience living water, I must open all my doors What do I mean by this? Um, Let's read uh, verse 16. I'll explain. It says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. If you grew up in traditional church, I would venture to guess that the majority would think that what Jesus is doing is convicting this woman of her sin or something like that before she can receive grace. That is not what's going on here. What would have happened if Jesus had not brought this up? This woman would have walked away and she would have wondered... Did Jesus really know who I am and the things that I've done? Because if he knew, I couldn't have this living water. Jesus wants to make it crystal clear, woman, I know everything about you. And I'm not turned off. I will drink water from your hand. I love you and I accept you as you are. Others might have run away. I'm going to run too and meet you where you are at. I do know everything about you and yet I still accept you. And he wanted to make this crystal clear. 
And some of you need to hear that today. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows every skeleton in your closet. He knows everything you're trying to hide, everything you're done, and he's willing to drink water from your hand. That's scary. He's not turned off. He loves you. He knows about the abortion. He knows about your sex outside of marriage and your sexual perversions that you wrestle with and can't even figure out why. Knows about your anger issues. He knows everything about you. He says, I will drink from your hand. You don't make me unclean. I, <laughs> if you do, I'll get messy with you. Yeah, that's you, Jesus. And he wants this woman to know, I know everything about you. I'm still giving you. I'm still giving you the greatest gift you can receive. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, I'm going to offer you this this gift of living water. So with that known, then what we should do is just open up every door to Jesus. Say, here I am. You already know everything about me, so I'm going to open every closet. I'm going to let you see every skeleton that's in those closets because I want all of your living water in me so that I can have as much of you in my life as possible. So come into every nook and cranny in my life so that I can experience the fullness of your presence and your blessing. No more of this compartmentalized closing things off. Because I want to be holistically blessed. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so you open up every door and you let the spirit come in. You let it pour in. So you can experience all of this living water you can get. Last, if I'm going to experience living water, I must worship from the heart. Read this last part right here. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. There's the hostility. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. They will worship from their heart, having opened up every door to who they are, to this God, filled with the spirit. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Don't miss that. That's who the Father is. He searches his eyes back and forth. He's looking for true worshipers, those who are worshiping in the spirit. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Friends, this is what we get a chance to do every week. Yes, can we worship in a multitude of ways? Absolutely, but the Bible puts an emphasis on music and singing to the Lord. And we get an opportunity every week to do that and to sing together and to, to sing to God. And I know some of you, singing and music, it can be such a weird thing. You don't do that in a lot of places out in the world. But I have learned there is something powerful that happens when we actually engage the music. That something powerful happens. So some of you, maybe you've never sung before. I'm going to encourage you, maybe today, you just, even if you just started mumbling some of the words, just engage it a little bit, you just started mumbling. Hey, this is one of the great things about wearing a face mask. Nobody can see what you're doing. So just start mumbling. Just engage it. Maybe some of you, you've seen people raise their hand. You're like, I've always wanted to do that. Maybe today's the day I want to raise my hand and say, God, I think you are awesome. Or maybe you just go this high. You don't have to get carried away. Maybe some of you just want to do this. I'm going to receive your blessing today, Lord. I'm going to receive from you. 
The point is you engage because that's where the power is. I'm engaging in my heart. It's not about anything else, but God is you. And when we engage, we are filled, filled, the Bible says, filled with the Spirit. He compares it to being like drunk with on wine, being filled with wine. He's like, no, but we, when we worship, we get uh, empowered by the Spirit. Paul tells us that in Ephesians 5, okay? Acts 16, last verse I'm going to share with you. says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas have been imprisoned for their faith. That suddenly there was such a violent earthquake, and the foundation of the prison were shaken. Foundations were, 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 were shaken, and at once the, 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 the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. What were they doing? Praying and worshiping. Do you understand the power? that is in this place when we engage God through worship and prayer, that's where chains get broken. That's where doors get open that weren't open before. That's where walls come crumbling down. When we engage God in worship and tell him we love him and how amazing, valuable he is in our life, singing from our heart. It's just power. And I want you to have that power in you. I want you to experience it for yourself. So we're getting an opportunity to do that. We're going to get to close with worship. And mm, my hope for every one of you is that you will engage and experience and drink and live and be clean. Mm. Which is fitting. We're going to, we're going to take communion. Uh, if you didn't get one of these, you can raise your hand. I think we got someone in the back who will bring you one. If you raise your hand, you didn't grab one of these. But friends, it's very fitting that we're going to take communion today because um, where do you think the spirit, <laughs> where do you think it comes from? I see some on here too. Friends, the spirit flows out of Christ. It's Jesus that gives us this living water. That's why he taught us to feed on his, his body and, and to drink his blood. You know that disgusted people when he said that. Did you know the early Christians were accused of being cannibals because of communion? Why would Jesus tell us to do that, friends? Because that's where life is. That's where the spirit is. The Bible teaches this weird aspect of the blood that spirit and life is in the blood. Abel's blood called out to God. The spirit is in the blood. What this is all about, you got, you have to learn to feed. You have to learn to drink or I promise you one thing, you will never have life. Not the life I'm talking about today. You won't even know what I'm talking about. If you're going to have life in you, you've got to feed. This is where the spirit flows from. It flows out of Christ. His body broken like a piece of bread that is broken and the fragrance comes out. It's in his brokenness that, oh, the fragrance of Christ is now mine. It's now on me. You see, the spirit comes from what this is all about.
Learn to feed. Learn to drink, and that living water will be yours. So we're going to take the, the wafer, which represents the body broken on that cross. And get, catch the spirit. Catch it. Catch it. Let's eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Let your living water, let your spirit flow into us today through your broken body for us. We peel back the second lid. Here's the blood, the life, the spirit. (laughs) In the blood, learn to drink. Learn to drink deeply. On Christ, get that life in you. So we drink together and we say, thank you, Jesus. We say, thank you, Jesus. Lord, my prayer today is that your life will flow into us, that your spirit will flow into us, that your living water will pour out on us today as a church, in us, flowing out of us. Give us love for one another. Give us love for our community and for the world around us. Give us joy today. May we rejoice that this is ours, that you give us the greatest gift we can have, the Holy Spirit. May we have your peace on our lives as well. Lord, maybe you need to cleanse some of us. Just let that living water flow today in this place and just let our sin and our guilt and our shame just go downstream and it's just by, it's just gone. As we're being cleansed, as we're being washed, it's just no more, no more sin, no more guilt, no more shame. There it goes, bye-bye, wave goodbye to it, church. You are clean, living water, in the presence of God now, counted righteous, counted holy because of Jesus. Bye-bye, shame. Lord, satisfy our souls today. Some of us, we need to be satisfied in your presence. And so I'm just gonna pray by your spirit, we will have your living water quenching every aspect of our lives. Fill us, fill us, fill us, Lord, this, this day as we worship you, God, and may some who have never tasted, never experienced, may, may that happen today. May, may chains fall off. May doors open up that weren't open before. May walls come down. And may we be a church that's filled with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Jesus, you are in the Spirit. Father, you are in the Spirit. You are one with the Spirit. May we receive you today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Right, so we're going to get a chance now to worship, experience this God for ourselves. I'm going to encourage you to engage. Let's stand and uh, sing these songs together.